Join over 400,000 people, just like you and I, who are taking control of their wellness journey with Biome. Get personalized and precise recommendations on how to optimize your health and help you function at peak performance. Based on your results from blood, stool, and now saliva, the Viome Full Body Intelligence Test tells you what foods you should eat and what foods you should avoid and why. They're also the only company in the world to offer custom pre-probiotics and precision supplements which are made to order and only include the ingredients in the precise dosages that your body needs and nothing that it doesn't. Shop now at Viome.com, V-I-O-M-E, dot com forward slash good currency and save fifty dollars on our full body intelligence test or bundle it with code currency 50. on the second day i took the time and they took away my technology because they wanted me to relax so i wrote my kids a letter that took me most of the night with a, a cloudy mind then it was sort of like here are the the 10 things that i, I want to share with you um, but I will tell you that at that moment, I had this great uh, gift where I actually wanted to live, but realized that if my life did end at that time, that uh, my life had already exceeded mm. my greatest expectations. Ooh. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Living Good Currency with Tony and Tobias. We're excited to sit down with another powerful conversation that we keep bringing. You know, we're just lucky enough to be able to be such amazing human beings that are inspiring us, and the conversations keep going and going on. Oh, brother, this is everything. Yeah, so today's no different. We are getting to sit down with the one and only Robbie Dombowski. Robbie serves as a CEO of Giving, that's G-V-N-G, and is a founder and managing partner of Sage Philanthropy Advisors. With over two decades of experience in philanthropic entrepreneurship, Robbie has incubated and launched scores of successful impact projects that integrate corporate values, employee and customer engagement, and meaningful influencer partnerships for the benefit of our share world. Robbie also serves as a rabbi at a prestigious temple in Beverly Hills, sits on numerous boards, and is a sought-after teacher and speaker. Welcome to the show, Robbie. How are you, buddy? Doing wonderful. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tobias. You're welcome. Uh, You're we're welcome. so excited. We know that this has been many months in the works, but patience is a virtue. Hey, that it is. We're here now. Yes, we're here. So, Robbie, you're known in the community. I want to start the conversation out with you're known for being passionate about helping families express their deepest values through purposeful living. That's what you seem to be known for, and I want to dive into that. Can you tell us about what that passion and how do you, what, what do you mean by purposeful living? Well, that's a good one. So, I mean, I saw that you guys are also committed to purposeful living on, on sort of the purpose for this, this podcast and your commitments to, uh, to life. So I'm just thrilled to be uh, aligned and to be connecting with uh, like-minded people. So, you know, wonderful to be there. Um, yes. it. I guess that means a lot of things and to different people. I grew up, in a, in, in a little town, um, Pittsburgh, I guess not that little, but small from, you know, where we are here in LA. Um, and we grew up, you know, without a whole lot of resources. Uh, we didn't know it growing up. Uh, we thought we had everything, but things were limited. But my family was very focused on giving. My grandfather would take me to volunteer as a kid to teach kids with spina bifida how mm. to swim at the children 
Children's Center. And my dad would take me once a week to volunteer at a children's hospital where he, the straight-laced accountant, would get dressed up as like a clown and play bingo with the kids. And so our whole life growing up, and that was just such a wonderful gift and influence for me, was being able to be involved in authentic and meaningful ways where there was really no barrier to getting involved in people's lives. It was just a matter of making a choice and showing up. And so as I matured and went through my narcissistic teenage years Mm. and came through that, uh, reflecting back on some of those life experiences, really wanted to help be uh, involved, to be a guide, to be a springboard, to helping people live their best selves, to connect with their best selves, and to uh, help those around us by uh, being uh, being connected in meaningful ways, not just connected in superficial ways. I mean, that's a... I know, see, if you listen to any of our episodes, I, I continue the conversations while this man is just contemplating every word you just said. True, and so true, true, I'm just, true. The, 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 the epiphany moment is going to happen, and I just go back, wow, man. That is such an important lesson that you said right there about, A, you were given the gift of witnessing the art of giving and how you said there's no barrier which is which is awesome, but also if I could just reflect on a, uh, some of the words that you were saying is in regards to that moment where, because you got to see it uh, and and you and you felt it, did you also notice at that young age, whether it's witnessing your father or yourself, that while you were giving, you were getting like you were you know you being fulfilled or what was it that you were getting to to to, to fuel that? That's absolutely. I mean, I think we all struggle with that question. And I would say throughout my almost 30 years career, whether I'm dealing with philanthropists who have tremendous worth or whether, I mean, as far as net worth or whether it's celebrity or athletes or companies or individuals at the core of it all is a question that nags us. And that question is, do I matter? Mm. Do you matter? Right. And we do this in life and we kind of create scorecards so that we can think that we matter, like what's in our bank, what's in our stock portfolio, maybe how our how our how our uh, our blockchain investments are doing, um, how many properties we own, physical fitness—all really great stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, people that I know still ask themselves that question: Do I matter? And I know that when I was doing those things as a kid uh, and as a young adult, uh, I had no question that in those moments I mattered and that uh, that knowledge, that sense of satisfaction, that sense of clarity gave me such inner peace. And so for me, that started um, a lifelong bumpy road of uh, trying to find healthy ways to do that in life. Amazing. Answer. Oh, so well spoken. Uh, this morning as we we're traveling to a podcast that might never happen, Many people set out in the day thinking that we're going to accomplish a task. And uh, one of the producers we wrote together, uh, Brother Bomani, and I said, Brother, the importance of having a very impactful podcast is making every moment up to the podcast impactful. So how can we make it matter from the time of waking up this morning to the time of 
uh, being prepped, uh, you know, me and him going through the prep. These are not just for the result of getting here for the podcast, talking for an hour. No, let me and his relationship matter. So he will know and feel that he is just an important, no disrespect to you, in my life at this moment, at <laughs> this moment, so I can come. But something that you said, and he said your father, but I think it went a step further. You said your grandfather. So you have yeah. a grandfather who is already paving a way or a path. And then you have your father as an accountant and more likely a good accountant or financial man putting on a clown suit. Now, see how you laughed. See, that tickled you. It tickled me yeah. how probably someone who's probably real good at what he's doing will bring comedy and joy into people's lives. So that let me know. I don't know if he took himself seriously or didn't take it to but that means a lot because now we see all this manifesting in you. So I think that's very important for our listeners and our audience to understand if we look at the levels of spiritual, social, and professional success in which we see that you are reaching, it comes from a root. I'm pretty sure your wife has something to do with that. I've, 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 I've researched you. She has a lot to do with it, but you had a grandfather and a father who showed you in real practical ways with limited means to make the best out of a situation. So as Tony said, I'm sitting here processing. This is what is really talking to me in this moment. Uh, thanks, thanks, Tobias. You know, I, yeah. I, you said it earlier, and I appreciate the words about how you feel aligned with us. I mean, one of the things that we often talk about, which is the core of good currency, is focusing on aligning your purpose, which we just happen to label doing good for yourself and others daily, with your passions, which we say your personal, professional, and spiritual should be aligned with your purpose. And you're one of the amazing guests that we are we are so lit up to to to, to speak with you because you so authentically blend your personal professional and spiritual uh, passions together you know a lot of times we compartmentalize sometimes we don't even focus on all three which is is which is where the question of do i matter is trying to be answered when you know when you're focusing do i matter personally do i matter professionally do i matter spiritually these are questions that i guess you can you can elaborate on in those three tracks but what we realize by focusing on these passions and aligning them sometimes you're as, as tobias said we made the intention to do this podcast several times, by the way, and it didn't happen. We, we, but so we, we, we didn't put the past of, 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 let's say, rescheduling. We made the intention today was going to happen. We did the preparation, which is, our, our, which is our, our actions, but the results of it actually happening were out of our hands, right? We, we, but we knew. And today we call this action a professional action. This is a professional podcast. It's part of our business. But a lot of times we get something personally out of it because we're learning something from a, a conversation that could benefit us. And then sometimes, and a lot of times, we get a spiritual uh, relationship from it because the energy is so flowing. But when you study your background, even your Instagram is Rabbi Robbie. Oh, off the top. Right. Yeah. What I love is that you seem, to, you seem to so eloquently blend your personal, professional, and spiritual lives together. I mean, clearly that's intentional. And I'd love to just elaborate on that if, if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I don't know that it was by intention that way. Um, I think that um, through some various experiences, um, it became evident that the only thing I really could do on a daily basis is be myself mm. and find the strengths that I can bring to that. And that 
will be, you know, attractive to some people and won't be to others. But I got to a point in my life when I was probably 20 years ago where I was focused on role success as part of your final, the roles that you do. Um, And I was really good at what I would call multitasking, but I wasn't really multitasking. I was just wearing so many different hats. Mm. So I was working at Citigroup and I was running a big swath of the philanthropic services there. And I was really successful at doing that because I put on my business hat, I get in the car and then I was doing that. And then I come home and I had a wife. Well, okay, I could do those two things pretty well. That's just two hats. But then I had dad hat. Mm. Then my dad got sick. So I had to start wearing good son hat. Mm. And then I had to start wearing some consulting hat. And I was wearing my rabbi hat. And I one day woke up and couldn't get out of bed. I was, I couldn't go to work. It was about a week where I just completely fell apart and I didn't know why everything was working. Everything was going well. And, and, and I thought I was, I was crazy. And I have a good friend who was actually a psychiatrist, spent some good time with him and came to realize that I had contorted myself so much into a box that I, I was like Houdini, right? Mm. Uh, but I was a bad Houdini. I was like a psychological, <laughs> spiritual Houdini who lost the keys to get out of the box. Yeah. Um, and that started me on a process of sort of focusing differently and without knowing it at that time, but maybe reflecting in this moment, maybe that was the time where I tried to really just integrate and bring me to whatever it was I, I was doing. And that's rabbi and that's, you know, and that's mm. the philanthropy work I do, and that's dad or, you know, people who know me, I hope, uh, uh, would say that uh, you, I am what you see. This is that's who right. I am. That's right. Oh, uh, Like, personally, uh, with me, you know, our audience by this time understands my background, uh, you know, taken from technology 30 years. So if you're going to research something, you're going to do a cycle spiritually through your spirit. You know, so now being inside of the business where it causes or requires me to research uh, I look at the structure of how people represent themselves, whether you did it yourself or God did it through your staff, whatever the case might be. It is rabbi connection with you and God, wife, family, community, teaching others how to bring out their best self, platform, business, bringing humanity or various people of high net worth, as you said, in humanity to connect them to causes that bring their best sales forth. I said, Tony, I don't know how you and this guy <laughs> right here, that is mm-hmm. good currency at its highest level. And brother, That's I haven't currency. been doing this 30 years, brother. I just looked at, and that was just morning. It ain't like I looked you up three weeks ago. And for me to remember that was a formula. God, we know your faith. Specifically, because you're not shy about it. Wife, home life, connecting that to community. Not only community, but where are these young professionals going within community? Now, we're going to take that, and now we're going to have a business, a corporation with these people. I said, man, this is genius. And we're going to do high network people to connect them. So I said it again because that is the epitome in my evaluation of a person connected with their spirit, connected with their person. Also, a lot of times, Tony says professional first. No, bro, my spirit, my spirit feels my person, and my person is going to drive my profession. 
And so uh, yeah. I've been waiting to say that all this morning to you. That wow, really that's is, so well articulated. Well, thank you. Just, just no, we, we see it. And uh, when you say you live in good currency, you really are, and we admire it. Yeah, and just to be to be, you know, really transparent here. So I would say that uh, on that hierarchy of things, sort of person, family, mm. you know, impact on the world, business, mm. um, you know, uh, business uh, is at the lowest rung for me. It's a, it's a tool, but anybody who knows me well, I will tell you that I am a terrible business person. <laughs> I right. leave money on the table all <laughs> the time. Hey, right. I do. And, 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 and I work in things and it's not about, so for me, uh, I think that's actually not a terrible business person, right? Exactly. I think it depends on your lexicon. It depends yes. on your lens. That's right. So if your lens is to wake up every morning, and to like the person you see in the mirror and to be excited and motivated to go out and to be involved in the world. And that allows you to feel expansive and allows you to try to bring your gifts to the world and gives you the sense of confidence and a sense of purpose, as we said earlier, then that's the right business decision, even if it's not necessarily the greatest financial decision. It. So for me, it was really important to align my financial uh, well-being and together with uh, of, of who I am because I, I know I can't compartmentalize them. I know I can't contort back in that Houdini right. box. I'll never do that again. That's right. So then it's great. And here's the great thing. The world's evolving rapidly. Yes. And where my desire to do these kinds of things and get paid as a living to do them um, may not have been there 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But today – the currency of the world yes. has changed, right? Yes. Robbie, that's why we call it good currency. It's not just the financial structure, but the flow of energy. And when you, yeah. you know, um, we often quote on this podcast, Wayne Dyer, and, and he often says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, and that's a quantum physics theory. So the beautiful thing of what you just said about changing your lens, because your ultimate question that you started was, Does, do I matter? Right. So if you're constantly yes. thinking about to fulfill my needs, do I matter? And you're feeling about being authentic. That's exactly what ultimately led me into bias together. I got really, really sick and I couldn't figure out to your point, everything was clicking, but, but it, but I wasn't clicking. Mm. And it was cause I had compartmentalized these things. My entire growing yeah. up, I envied people who were their authentic self, I call it. But a lot of us are trying to figure out that question in general, what does that mean to be authentic? But you know, and I was fortunate enough to have Muhammad Ali as a mentor to see and witness these amazing things about his life. And I envied the fact that this man stood up against all odds to be his authentic self and discover that along the way and, and shape that, what that, meaning, what that meant to him. And so I think that's what you're really getting at, which is we know what it feels like to compartmentalize and contort, which I love that description of Houdini. And we know how claustrophobic and dangerous, by the way, if you, if you lost the key. You know, you, you know, you yeah. found the key, thank God. But next time you, if you don't find that key, it's a very dangerous path. And so it's almost like, I love that you just set a different lens because that is ultimately, when you think about the currency of money, leaving money on the table, as some might say, but if you got your sanity, if you got your heart is flowing, what can pay for that? Like Tony, what kind of zeros? Tony, pay for it's the currency of relationship. You notice that he said his friend. Yes. Not that he asked that there was a psychiatrist in my community, which he probably knows a lot of them. No, my friend. Yeah. 
So when you felt that you were in a box and I just literally got out of 30 years of a box, I'm seeking to emerge professionally. Who am I after 30 years of incarceration, winning as a child, a young person, getting out at a 48-year adult with no idea what's going on in the world of business? Then I think that's where this conversation, the connection between his friend giving him the key, which he already had. To, his, key, his friend couldn't give him nothing that he didn't already have. And that's the same thing with me and your relationship. Yeah. You know, you're telling me, bro, it's okay to come out. We're going to set up a platform that allows that. And me explaining to you that your worth was none of the stuff that you might have been involved of. You yourself brings your own self-worth. And so that's the good. That's the good. Yeah. When we have friends who don't judge us, don't critique us, but say, listen, you was on that roll. This is how that results. If you want to change that, then this how we. So not only we talking about financial currency, that is the wealth, the good currency of friendship, having the kind of friends that help us along the way. Yeah, so, that's man, that's, 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 that's key. You know, I think uh, Howard Thurman, who was a civil rights leader and, um, you know, very prolific gentleman, said something, and I, I read it around that time, and it stuck with me because I think it's a guidepost and it's just so brilliant in its simplicity. Yes. And here's what he wrote. He said, um, don't ask what it is the world needs. Mm. Ask what is that thing that makes you feel alive and go and do that because what the world needs now is people who are alive. Yes. Mm. So, it's not that complicated to have an integrated, professional, spiritual, religious family life if we start with that context and we say to ourselves, self-knowledge, what makes me feel alive? Because the universe, God, whatever you know, we, higher power we may believe in, it gives us clues and it gives us insight into the things we should be doing and can be doing in the world. And it starts with, what are those things that make me feel alive? What makes me feel expansive? What makes me feel like I can go and conquer the world? Yeah. Focus on that. Yes. And when we do that, that grows quite quickly. So when people say to do their passion for a living, mm. I think that's wonderful. But I would qualify that a little bit and say, do the things that make you feel alive mm. for a living, right? Do the things that make you feel expansive because that's where you're getting into your unique area of genius mm. and that's where you are bringing your gift to the world around you oh my goodness beautifully beautifully said and i think that's exactly aligned with what we talk about all the time because if you just focus on your passions that make you feel good uh you can go down a dangerous path because not everything that you like to do is good for you but if it's serving if it's observing yourself and others then you become this expansive role if it's of service to yeah. others, you just, it, it, I love the way you articulate that. It really becomes an expansive role. Let's go back into focus. So you worked at some of the, you know, a huge bank. You're working on their philanthropy side. And you are an expert um, in really this, like you said, maybe 30 years ago it wasn't there, but this is, you were at the right place at the right time and humanity, my friend. And you are at the cusp of the profits and, and purpose, like in, real, in business, in, in both the individual wealth of, you know, like you talk about, you've talked a few times about the high net worth individuals, but also this new, this, this awesome time where businesses and, and, and are trying to figure out how to align purpose and profit. 
Mm. And you seem to be such an expert on that. Can you talk about that? Like, and really the, it's because a lot of times people throw those buzzwords around, but you've been living this. Yeah. You've been living this. And can you tell us what you've seen in your experience from that, those crossroads and where we're at today? Sure. Um, so I, I guess my aha moment, if you would, was that, you know, I always wanted to be really wealthy so I could give a lot of money and help others. You know, I always thought it would be nice to be really famous so that I could help shine a light on causes that are meaningful. Um, and then as I grew up a little bit, mm. I realized that I don't actually have to be wealthy to give a lot of money away. And I don't have to be famous to shine the light on important causes. What I need to do is I need to uh, build friends, relationships, acquaintances, a community of purpose with like-minded people mm. who have those things. And then what's really important and really hard to do is then you have to suspend self mm. a little bit. Because if it's about me, then it's going to get in the way. So it has to be about the cause, which is bigger than everybody. And it has to be done in a way where everybody's needs are met. You know, we're all quite wonderfully complicated people. Mm. You know, we all have, I'm going to use the word a narcissistic side or a capitalistic side. I don't mean like clinically narcissistic. We just have needs and wants and desires. And we can't ignore that. Mm. That's a part of who we are. And we all have a very altruistic side, yeah. which just wants to do good yes. and wants to not only self-actualize, but really self-transcend and wants to know that they matter yeah. and wants to know that they have a sense of purpose and significance. And sometimes those things are at, odd, at odds mm. because how do I get to the altruistic when my Maslow's sort of hierarchy of needs my safety, my comfort, my pleasure, those are things that are always going to psychologically kind of take, uh, take precedence, um, no matter how much we try to address that. And we try to be, you know, I would use the word, uh, you know, uh, uh, holy or committed. Uh, so my entire life and career over the last uh, 28 years has been to help people get their needs met mm. uh, so that we can then come together to make get the needs of others met. Mm -hmm. And it's really not as complicated as that sounds. So there's people who have tremendous wealth and they want to be able to do good. The problem is oftentimes they have really negative experiences around philanthropy. Yes. I can tell you a number of years ago, I was sitting in the office of a gentleman who's worth uh, close to $2 billion, which I guess for me, that's a lot of money. Some people would say, in today's crazy world, that's maybe not that much money, but you know, more than you could spend in multiple lifetimes. Um, it took me six months to get this meeting. It was about a project. This guy had a very specific role he could play. He didn't want to meet. Uh, I'm persistent, especially if it's not about me, but it's up to me. I can be really persistent, mm. right? Uh, so I got the meeting. He was like, tell you what, meet me at my office Thanksgiving morning at 8 a.m. So I guess he thought maybe I would say no, mm. but I was like, absolutely. And I had 15 minutes get there. And his office is actually this beautiful uh, building, 50 cars surrounding the office, 1939 Bugatti. I mean, gorgeous cars. And his office is in the middle and he's surrounded by 
uh, these collections, which are just beautiful. We sat down. It's not sunny in there, but he's got his sunglasses on. His body language tells me mm. he's not interested, and I'm there. So I got a few minutes. So we spend about five minutes, and I was like, sir, can I ask you a question? You gave me 15 minutes. Is there any chance that anything I'm going to say is going to get you to get involved in this project? No. Like, great. I got 10 minutes left, right? <laughs> my 10 minutes. He's like, yeah, you got 10 minutes. Do what you like. So I said, great. So in my world, I only have three possible reasons why the universe brings people together. Come on, man. And life is like a big scavenger hunt, right? We wake up in the morning. We have the intention. I don't know. I didn't know I was going to meet you guys. Who knows who you're going to meet, right? And so uh, we're here together. Uh, so there's only three options. One is you're going to help me. And you've already said you're not. No, I'm not. Okay. The other is that we're here to help somebody else. And it sounds like that's not uh, in the books either. He says, no, we're not doing anything together. I said, great. So I've got nine minutes left. Mm. The only thing that the only possibility is I'm here to help you. So I'm all yours. Nine minutes. Tell me about you. What can I do for you? But before you say anything, let me make you a promise. I will never, ever, 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 ever ask you for anything. I'm not going to ask you to get behind the project. I'm not going to ask you for a dollar. I'm not going to ask you for a cup of coffee. So that's what you, that's my promise to you. And I'm a man of my word. That's right. So great. So uh, we sat there and that turned into a two hour conversation, turned into a deep friendship. And uh, it's been uh, almost 10 years and I've never asked him for anything. He has chosen to get involved in projects. He has chosen to ask me for my advice and help when need be. But to start with, you got to have a suspension of self. People say you got to drive your agenda. First one to speaks loses. All these negotiating tactics. Honestly, my experience just says that's a, a bunch of malarkey. Mm. Get to know the person, understand the person, and find out why the universe puts you there to begin with, right? Then you can start to do something meaningful as a relationship together. And I don't know the agenda of God, the universe, the higher power. I have no idea. All I can do is choose to engage in this moment authentically or not. And sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I blow it, but sometimes uh, it's just nice to see when that kind of works out in a meaningful way. Wow. What a great story. Discover how your gut biome, oral microbiome, and cellular health impact how you feel, how you age, and your overall health with full body intelligence. The most advanced at-home health test available. Simply collect your blood, stool, and saliva samples. Send them to BioLab and within two to three weeks, receive your science-backed personalized health scores and food and supplication requirements. Use code CURRENCY50 to get $50 off of your full body intelligent test or bundle. Shop now at Viome.com slash goodcurrency. You said something which when you suspend self, had you not gone in there knowing that you had to suspend self, anyone would have cracked under those circumstances. You know, because you have to suspend self, and to be to obviously be armed with the idea of those three, three reasons why allowed you to come up with that amazing story. You know, it reminds yeah. me of a, a gentleman we met, Dr. James Rouse, amazing speaker, amazing author. He once said to us, uh, you know, he said, "God put us together. Now let's make God proud." In, in mm, such a similar situation, that. like. There's billions that. of us that we're here now. It's up to us to figure it out. 
Like, and so it goes to those three things that you just talked about. Yeah. And my kids make fun of me all the time because I literally live my life as a scavenger hunt. I go to Starbucks. Look, there's almost 8 billion people in the world now. That's mind boggling. In our lifetimes, in our lifetimes, Tony and Tobias, we are going to actually get to know a couple hundred, Mm. a couple thousand, maybe. Mm. That is an insignificant amount of people. Why those people? So in my world, I don't believe we have a lot of control over a heck of a lot. Uh, Mm. And every time I think I got to figure it out, things are blessed to fall apart and take a turn and you get a chance to live into that, right? But what I do know is in a moment when I'm in Starbucks and I'm in line, I say hi to the person next to me because I don't know where they're at and I don't know why. And some of the best relationships that I've met have just simply been, so I'll be traveling. I travel a lot for work and I'll be in an airport and I'll be like, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I'm, I'm talking to people. I'm getting to know people. Um, and sometimes they're like, you know, very standoffish. They, they don't want to talk to me. Like, who's this weird guy saying hi to everybody? And that's okay. It's not you. The universe mm. didn't put me here to talk to you in this moment. But maybe it's that other guy or maybe it's that other gal. So I think it's part of that. But I also, to answer your earlier question, so I think that there's this opportunity to help people get their needs met so that they can do really good things in this world. And that is no different today than what it is with celebrities, athletes, corporations. Once upon a time, companies were demanded one thing by the marketplace and by their shareholders and by their investors, quarterly earnings. What is your quarterly earning? How much money did you make? And if you missed it by a penny, you were punished tremendously, right? And so people say corporations are heartless or corporations don't get behind. And the data today is still a little bit askew. You know, we know that it's almost $470 billion. It's same size as the, as the e-commerce industry is given to charity every year. Mm. But all of that, only $16 billion comes from corporate givers. To give you context, corporations made top line $14.2 trillion last year. They spent 7% of that, almost a trillion dollars on marketing alone. And yet only 16 billion was spent on philanthropy. Mm. Why? So I don't think that corporations are anything more than people. And they're a group of people that come together, right? They're a team. They are a family of sorts, if you will. So my obligation or my opportunity is to help corporations figure out how to get their needs met so that they can now get out there and make a real difference in the world. And what we find is that at giving, for example, we offer what's called a digital nonprofit and we offer a corporation the opportunity to start their own impact project. We oversee it. We give it nonprofit status under our umbrella and we allow them to take some of that marketing budget and to apply it in a meaningful way to engaging their employees, engaging their uh, constituents, engaging their, their consumers on purpose on things that they both care about. And since the world has shifted and the, the, the equation has shifted, so we're not demanding only quarterly earnings from corporations. We're also demanding this triple bottom line, right? What do you stand for? How are you making mm. this world a better place? And so corporations, we're not forcing them to do this, but they've been given permission. That's right. they've been, the pressure has been taken off to say, all that matters is make more money. And since that now i see ceos and cfos and cmos rising and saying great we've been given permission 
to go and really do something. So I see that as a massive sea change. And that's how we're going to change some really big world problems on that alignment. That's incredible. And I love about corporations are people. They're run by people. We say it all the time. Decisions are people. We say it all the time. And, you know, I think you're right. The the generation, you know, often quoted as the millennials, Gen Zs, but, you know, you add any of these generations, the, the paradigm shift of authenticity is there. And often we talk about, you know, whether the people driving the corporations um, are doing it in the original state just because it might be good business. Um, they're noticing that, you know, influencers or, or the consumers are more loyal to brands that give back. And so they may, you know, have to come up with something that they can stand for. Regardless of their intention, what happens is you realize that the other people part of the company that are authentically involved in that rise, and it creates a an environment that automatically people are happy to even work for this company. And so all around the corporate culture changes, the consumers changes, the bottom line changes. And so it makes perfect sense. And to have experts like you blending that technology with, with um, understanding that profits and purpose should be aligned, it's key. And I love that you are giving us the stats and how if you look at the market cap opportunity is so huge for the amount of giving that can take place and the amount of uh, change. And so uh, I, I love it. I mean, can you describe to our consumers, we did have Dominic Calms on here. That's how we got introduced to each other. Go Dominic, mm, we love you. I'm and welcome. I know Dominic was your partner, uh, but walk us through um, in your eyes, in your mind, how giving came about and what it is currently, because you are the CEO of, of, of the company. And I'd love to just talk about uh, what you're doing at giving. Sure. Yeah, Dom is a real uh, visionary. And so uh, I was at a, a conference and uh, Dom spoke just before I spoke um, at the conference and he gave this whole pitch. And when he finished about his tech platform and, and what giving can do, I, I took down some notes and I asked him to meet for a cup of coffee after and been in the space for a whole long time. And I was like, you can't do it. It's just, it, it can't be done. The regulatory, the compliance, the challenges, the difficulties. Um, I know this. How, how are you getting over it? And he's like, oh, no, man, I got it. We got this. We're doing it. We're breaking boundaries. We're democratizing philanthropy. And uh, Dom is probably one of the most affable, uh, gregarious yes. uh, visionaries that I know in the space. He's indomitable, unstoppable, yes. a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so we got together uh, after that conference back in L.A. and spent several hours, and I really beat him up over this, and he, he stayed the course. Um, and so I referred him a couple of uh, opportunities that I was working with to see what they would do, and they did a nice job. Um, I dug in deeper, and then uh, six months later, I, I joined him as their uh, chief philanthropy officer uh, and sort of run the, the nonprofit and, and, and run those things and wanted to be a part of building this. Uh, Dom is also a unique person. He was the CEO of the company at that time. We were talking about kind of suspending self. There's a founder thing where founders kind of like have a really hard time delegating or sometimes mm. allowing others or staying on to. That is not Dom. Mm. Dom was like, I got this off the ground. I got this running. You have these skill sets. I need you to step up. I'm going to stay on as a president. I'm going to be involved in vision and partnerships and everything. You run this thing. I've got another idea. 
And since then, he just launched this brand new company in the similar space called Be Generous that has just gangbusters. And so Dom's a super unique guy because knowing your skills and knowing when to bring others around you and to build that team and expand that team is super rare. And as a young guy, he's really got it. He really does. He was such a joy to get to know. And, you know, we got introduced to him through Emmanuel Kelly, another person that was on our podcast. So it just, it's just been this string of, of recommendations. And Dom is, it is hard. It's hard to let suspend self, you know, and clearly Dom yeah. walks the walk. So tell us about where giving is at now. I'd love to learn from you and, 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 and how are you utilizing giving with what Sage is doing and that, you know, just so we can, yeah. our audience can learn more. Well, I would say, you know, giving started uh, close to five years ago now. Um, and as with any startup, you, you have to really understand your product market fit, what problems you're solving. It's so many things you can do, especially in this space. And so we had tremendous success in lots of areas. Uh, and then we sort of had a kind of hone in, because lasers cut through steel, right? Spotlights illuminate. And we were illuminating a lot, but we, we didn't have the laser focus yet as we kind of figured that out. And then COVID happened. Mm. And uh, COVID was this, like, our doors were slammed. Studios and celebrities and everybody was coming to us saying, I want to do more. What can I do? I want to start another project. I want to get PPE. I want whatever it is. And you know, we looked at our and said, okay, this is an unprecedented time. So we're going to take and we're not going to worry about our revenue model. And we're not going to worry about how we uh, make this business work yet. Right now we're in a unique position to do a lot of good. And so we need to suspend giving's sense of self <laughs> to, to do some good out here. And so we did hundreds and hundreds of projects and thank bless our investors. We hemorrhaged because these were not, these were very time intensive, expensive. We worked longer, harder hours than we ever had before, but we helped a lot of people. And that was really meaningful for us. And then as we kind of emerged through that, we recognized, as I was saying earlier, that the space we have right now to work with companies and helping companies create, not only donating out into other nonprofits, which we help as well, but helping them engage their employees, helping them to be able to um, create culture, to impact lives internally, and to then connect with the external, the world around them, and to be able to scream and amplify their ethos and what they care about from the mountaintops authentically, because if it's not authentic, it just doesn't work, was an area that we kind of focused on. And it has been going so well. I'll give you one example of a of a, uh, of a program we're working on that I'm just so proud of. There's a, a, a company called Ambassadors of Compassion. Hmm. I don't know if you know them, but uh, okay, we got to get you Eric as a, as a guest. Awesome. You're going to be blown away by this guy. Awesome. He's amazing. Ambassadors of Compassion has been around for, oh, I don't know, since about 2005. And um, Eric and Jody are Hollywood producers. Uh, they uh, created some very successful movies, and uh, they decided that the power that they had through the medium of uh, entertainment, um, content, um, and meeting young people um, where they were to help them develop compassion was something they wanted to get involved in. So they developed this uh, business, this company called Ambassadors of Compassion. And during that time period, 
they have reached over 60,000 students in schools to take this program. And this is not some light, fluffy program. This is a, a starts off with a big assembly where they bring in, you know, celebrities and athletes and people these kids can relate to. And they do a two hour and start about, you know, how do you, how do you process pain? How do you deal with forgiveness? Like really important stuff that nobody talks about. And then there's this coursework that they do throughout the school. And then they have this big matriculation and graduation and a bunch of schools come together at stadiums and other big places. And they become ambassadors of compassion. And there's, we have a 92 page study that shows the, the, the long-term impact and follows like how this is working in the world. It's just been, it's been great. But based on Malcolm Gladwell's um, tipping point, we know you got to reach seven, six, six to 7% of a population to make a change. That's right. right? Mm. And so that's about a million kids that, that we got to reach. And so how do we reach a million kids? How do we break down that boundary? So they came to us at giving and we created the ambassadors of compassion foundation, which is the, sort of digital nonprofit that goes alongside with this company that creates and runs these amazing programs. And now we have a, a goal of reaching a million kids within the next 12 to 18 months through doing that. We've engaged corporates, we've engaged celebrities, leaders, and, um, you know, at time, especially after COVID, you know, the, the, um, there, uh, this millennial rising is say an entity that does all of the, uh, the, uh, study, work and, and collects research around millennials in, in this generation. And they said something shocking. They said that uh, this generation will either be the most compassionate mm. or the most barbaric mm. generation in history, depending on how they learn to process their pain. Oh, man. And so now we're working through this program. Now what we did was we created a corporate piece. So corporations can actually put their own employees through this program, Amazing. they can then become mentors to kids. They can now they can, we have like five cities we're running this pilot in that they can now um, do, uh, they can um, adopt schools and kids locally to be able to pay for that. And we're on the road uh, to making this sea change where people can learn to be more compassionate. So that's the kind of work that really lights me Woo. up. There's some other corporates involved in that as well, right? But here's where we're taking philanthropy at its best because it's not just moving dollars you know somebody uh, came to me uh, about three years ago and they wanted to give a billion dollars to a specific industry specific area specific focus point and we ran the studies and the truth is that a billion dollars did almost nothing hey. to change the, the the problem and we got problems in our world that a billion dollars can't fix that's scary right but you know what can change it is getting people communities of people around that that care awareness engagement Amen. you'll get the Amen. same billions but now you have an army of people that can yes. make that difference right yes 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 robbie brother for the last 30 minutes i'm sitting here processing just being alive and yeah. you explain to us and people can go back our audience can go back and listen to you said of the suspending of the self, finding what brings you alive, giving your young aspirations. When I was a child, I thought in spank as a child, now I become a man, I put away childhood things. I thought I had to be rich and famous, but now nah, I'm going to build. I'm going to build. I'm going to build relationships with rich and famous people. Well, I'm going back. 
So I said, how did this apply? I received a phone call the other day, 4th of July. Some good stuff is going on around the United States, and bam. Everybody knows what BAM was. There was a mass shooting. And somebody asked me, they said, Tobias, where does the pain come from that allows us to hurt each other continuously over and over and over again? I said, well, you already started off. How we process our pain. And you said it. I said, the main thing about processing pain in my 30 years of experience in dealing with a demographic of people who did harm. I was blessed, in my case, not to be the person who afflicted the harm. But in almost everybody, thousands of people that uh, I was blessed to be a part of their lives, they did the crimes. And you said it, and it came down to something very simple. If you want to understand why people harm people, look at the friends around them. Look at the people around them. Every person that I talked to, and the governor, he just noted, uh, I think it was 4,000 in a year, uh, 4,000 in a year, which is just like amazing. Each one of them did not have positive relationships in their families, community, religious Alive. So when you say being alive and uh, your uh, being alive is rooted in creating relationships, and I read this, and I keep going over and over. This came off of something I read on you. Fostering a warm and welcoming uh, area for over 500 young people. I said, this man is creating an army of good. That's what I said already. Fostering a warm and welcoming. People don't feel warm. People don't feel welcoming, especially young people. If you look at what's going on with mass shooting, these young people, young people. So maybe something is cold. Maybe something is not welcoming. Maybe we're in situations where we're not processing our pain and able to forgive the harm that has came upon us, so we inflict harm on others. This is just solely due to my experience. So on a practical note, when you say creating 7%, to change. He said, yeah, we can throw a billion at this. The president just asked, I just gave y'all $4 billion to deal with violence in the inner city and nothing has happened. Maybe he need to be talking to you there for us on what needs to happen. It's not, we can't throw money at this. So I'm just saying this is just real practical for people who come out of the demographic that I come out of when violence is daily and lack and hurt that the suspending of the self, finding ourselves being alive by creating spaces where we can get friends who dare and be bold to be compassionate and then creating the relationships like I have with Tony that gave me the door to meet people like you, everyone we've been on this podcast, the audience. I believe whatever the social or spiritual crisis is, this is how we had changed it. So I just wanted to share yeah. that as we bring this. No, Toby, to you know, Tobias, you, you bring up something so, uh, so visceral, you know, and I think that anybody who's listening today can, can identify with this because we were given the gift of uh, going through something really challenging with this, uh, with this pandemic. Right. Yes. And, and every challenging experience is, is a gift, right? We don't, we don't, we don't accept other people's pain. We fix it. Yeah. But when we go through something challenging, there's an opportunity, right. To, uh, to get some really deep uh, self knowing and some growth. And the CDC has said that the number one sort of criteria indicator uh, for 
health is connection. Yes. Connection. And we, to some degree in our lives, and if we hadn't experienced it profoundly, we may have experienced it recently through the pandemic, is the sense of loneliness and isolation and what isolation can do to a human being. And it is a, isolation is a, it's a cancer, right? Isolation is, it, 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 uh, it, it, it takes our thinking and it warps it. It it allows us to go down sort of this rabbit hole, if you will. Mm. And, um, it deeply impacts our decision-making. So if you ask me, what's the one thing plaguing our world today more than anything else, I have to believe that it's that sort of lack of meaningful connection. Yes. And look, we have lots of connection, right? My LinkedIn, my Instagram, my uh. TikTok, <laughs> my, right? But, but meaningful. And, and so, you know, friends is a really important way to get there, right? Communities of purpose, but in jet family, um, but in general, we all have to find our way of creating yes. connection, you know, in our life. Um, it otherwise, uh, otherwise our society is really going to be plagued. You look at the teen suicide numbers, which yes. is just, uh, Horrific. heartbreaking, right? So yes. you go back over about 20 years. Um, and, um, you know, there was a substantial, I mean, from 20 years ago until about three years ago, pre COVID, uh, you had, uh, my numbers might be a little off, but you had around a 60% increase mm-hmm. in teen mm-hmm. suicide over the last three years there's been an additional raise from that number of an additional 23% in teen suicide. You ask yourself, we live in the most economically blessed country in the world where every child has a, a digital phone practically and access and health care to hopefully, especially under all the things that came around through, uh, through Mm -hmm. Obamacare and through Mm -hmm. what's carried out through that. So why is this happening in our country? Yes. And I, I, you know, co- correlation doesn't make causation, but if you look at the, uh, the internet and you look at the growth of social media, it almost mirrors this raise in uh, teen suicide. And you have to ask yourself the question, is this connection without meaning part of the plague yes. that's yes. creating this negativity in our world? Yes. So in my world, I became a rabbi first because I really wanted to be able to create uh, impact and I wanted to be able to be involved in people's lives. And I got news for you as a rabbi, I I've walked into an emergency room gowned up and just kind of walked in. You can pretty much go anywhere and, and, and you can invite yourself, right? Cause if I knock on your door and I say, Hey, uh, Tony Tobias, uh, I'm here to be like, who the hell are you? Why would you be here? But uh, it's a rabbi or your minister. It's like, okay, you know, that's kind of an invitation for me to get involved. Um, but then I didn't make my full-time career being a rabbi as part of my passion as part of my service to the world. Um, and the reason is because there are limitations and there are natural, um, I would say boundaries that come with being of service in a religious aspect, right? You're Protestant, you're not Catholic, you're Catholic, you're not Jewish, you're Jewish, you're not Muslim. Right. And so there is this sense of, of, uh, of compartmentalization. And to me, that wasn't enough to fill my soul or, or light me up enough or make me feel alive enough. And I found philanthropy is something that rises all tides. And it's something where we can, 
really do that reach. So it doesn't mean I didn't abandon my work as a rabbi. I still do that work. But the word that I don't love, which I really kind of detest, is the word tolerance. Mm. And I know it's meant well. I know it's meant well. But tolerate basically says, hey, we don't see eye to eye. Right. We're not, we don't have a connection. That's right. I tolerate you. You tolerate me. Uh, me exist, you know, live and let live. Um, but that's not, that's oh. not good enough. No. We need to have acceptance. That's right. And acceptance means I accept all of you. And yeah, maybe we don't see eye to eye. And maybe there are right left issues that we don't agree on. But there's up down issues. That's right. There's right wrong issues. There's moral, ethical things that we agree on. So we just have to focus on the up-down issues and not the right-left issues. And uh, and then we can really create connection in the world. So whether I'm doing that through my congregation where we have all these you know, 500-plus young professionals or I'm doing that sitting around a conference table at a corporation in Minneapolis, it's the same thing. How do we all come together in a spirit of acceptance to make sure that not only our needs are met, but that we're meeting our needs in a way that meet the needs of our community, of our country, of the world around us. That's, that's mm-hmm. so impactful. But I, I, I got to say a few words before because I know we're, time's up. But I just, I've been sitting here listening typically what Tobias does and reflecting. You know, we talked about a lot on this podcast about how to be able to um, uh, suspend self. Well, what's the opposite of suspend self is when you live isolated. And so we talked about mm-hmm. these issues, right? So the, you know, the isolation that you're focused on prohibits you almost from suspending self. Oh, yeah. And so that is uh, why I think we're seeing this rise of what we're seeing. And also it's this, I'm right, you're wrong, or I think I'm being um, justified in my moral obligations by chastising you and going on social media and, 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 and feeling like I'm sticking up for my, my people by putting someone else down and, that just that 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 is the opposite of meaningful connections, and so you know there's that great documentary, the the uh, social dilemma on Netflix that you know really talks about these issues, and so the key to it is to find meaningful connections by suspending self. You know Ali, you know God rest his soul, he planned. Yes, he was arguably one of the most famous men in the world, arguably the most famous Muslim in the world, but yet at his funeral, which I was honored to attend, both of them. Uh, he had almost every religious denomination represented. He, he planned that. He taught me that. That's what it is. Yes, I might be Muslim. This might be my path of praying five times a day and doing this, but I have to love my Jewish brother. I have to love my Christian brother. I have to love my Native American brother. I have to love my Buddhist brother. And so, because it's all pathways to the creator, right, in the, in the source of, of, of where we came from. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to, to be able to witness that firsthand and see these things. And that's where I think the three of us are connecting. I mean, we met mm. at a funeral. We, you talk about going to the Starbucks and just being wow. aware and being present and just being, you know, we were just on a trip to Paris a couple of weeks ago. And in line, we met this incredible, you know, uh, mother and son that we were just giving advice to. Next thing you know, she's like, oh, I'm a TV producer. Let's get together. Da, da, da. But we had no intention of knowing that about her. We were just sharing this connection. But we met at a funeral of, of someone we didn't, both of us didn't even know who passed away. We were just called to this, this funeral on Christmas Eve. We just went. And, and so I think that's right. I think whether you're listening and you're like, well, I don't have any meaningful connections right now. Well, we started this podcast off, you did, by saying the barrier to entry to do good is so wide open. You can start by just 
you know, ex- suspending self. And so there's practical guides. That's what we, we try to, our philosophy, our mission statement, so to speak, in Good Currency Studios is practical inspiration. You know, we try to focus on these, these tactics, like whether it's personal professional experience, just practical inspiration, like not just pie in the sky, great quotes that we can live by, but it's a practical way. And that's what I love the way this podcast was, is I've learned so much from you, but you're living your life in a practical, inspiring way. You're taking technology, you're taking the bottom line of profits, celebrities, you're getting to their wants and needs, and you're applying it practically in a way that inspires all. And I think that, you know, number one, uh, I hope this is just the first of many conversations that we're going to have. We are dedicated to helping you. We obviously have to meet in person. We're so close to each other. And we share the same ethos. So let's scale good. That's what we always try to say. Let's scale good. I don't, we now will reference the 7%, but to mm-hmm. us, it's about we're all going to, as Tobias often says, we're none of us are getting out of this alive. Right. <laughs> so, so we're all going to be six feet under at one point. How do we scale as much good as possible? So when you are a rabbi and you can touch 500 lives, listen, if you change in our faith and what we believe, you change, you, you, you change one person's life for good. You change all of humanity. God doesn't have that type of scorecard, you know? So, so you, if you just want to focus on whoever's listening, you're a teacher, you're whatever you are, and you have a small tribe that you can infect. Amazing. Amazing. Cause if you change one, it's changed humanity. But then there's certain people that just feel this inclination that, okay, you know what? Let me be the change maker from a scalability standpoint. Let me make other people's jobs easier so that they, on the micro level, they can affect. And I think that's where the three of us are feeling this sense of energy because we all felt like the micro wasn't enough. We have the ability and the creativity and the relationships. Now we're with you. So we're all on board and we love to meet, you know, the ambassadors of change. Ambassadors yeah, compassion. brings about change. <laughs> exactly. So that's the micro elevating the macro. So we'd be honored and, uh, listen, you know, this, and we got to thank Dominic for, for the intro, but Robbie, this has been an awesome quick hour that we've quick. learned so much and we appreciate you. That's we great. appreciate your time. My pleasure. I would just leave your listeners with uh, one simple thing is that if you don't think that you can make a difference, if you um, feel anxious about it or you're not sure how to get engaged, I, I would just say it to reframe this very simple statement. And that is, it's not about me. It's up to me. Mm. Uh, like you said, one day we're all going to be six feet in the ground and we don't get to take anything with us except I believe that there's a spiritual DNA. And, uh, when we go into a situation, I think the initial, uh, reaction is, you know, who am I to get involved? You know, why should I, is that my overstepping? If it's about you, you're trying to like do it for your own, you know, your own, you know, Mm. sort of ego, maybe. But just ask yourself, if it's not about me, maybe it's up to me. And if it's up to you, maybe you can make a tremendous impact to that one person, like you said. I love it. All right, Robbie, this is the first of many conversations. We're going to have you back, brother. But we have two quick rapid-fire questions. And and mine's a little bit – mine you kind of already answered. But I'm going to just put you on the spot anyway. Name a quote that you often think about to pick you up. Marcus Aurelius once said – I do my duty. Other things bother me not, for they are things without life or things without meaning or things that have tarried and know not the way. You know the way. Do your duty. Wow. I'm so glad I asked you that question. By the way, what a genius uh, genius he was, by the way. 
Amazing yeah. quote. Thank you yes, for sharing. Yes, that. and my quote is question. A uh, question. What do you do to relax or rejuvenate yourself? What do uh, you such a great do question. to relax? I hope that word is not alienated to you or rejuvenate yourself. Yeah. So my therapist has told me that I'm work. I'm a work in progress mm. on that. Uh, uh, so I am an thoroughly energized uh, by the work that I do and by the opportunity to connect with other people. So if I have time to sort of relax and to do, you know, to do something that's just for me, and I know it sounds maybe a little bit incredulous, but it's really the truth. I tend to go down to visit uh, the local hospital here. I'm a chaplain as well. Mm-hmm. And so I will just go visit people in the hospital, connect with them, say hello. It may just be hello and a smile. Yes. And uh, that just gives me such perspective yes. and context in life. Yes. And it allows me not to be too focused on my trivial uh, challenges and, and, and problems. You know, and I can tell you, I, I, was, uh, I went to Vegas with my uh, family, my kids are all older and out of the house, but we had a wedding I was officiating. And, uh, we, you know, we drove down to Vegas, you know, singing, uh, uh, you know, life is a highway loudly and uh, off key. And mm. uh, we got there. Uh, and once we got there, I got in bed and I couldn't get out of bed for like two days and didn't feel well, high fever. My, uh, I had to get somebody else to officiate. And my wife uh, brought a doctor to the hotel because I refused to go to a hospital because I figured it was just COVID or whatever. Um, and it turned out that my fever was 105 and my vitals were bad. And they took me into the hospital that night. And it turned out that I had sepsis and was in kidney fa- failure, liver failure, had had a, uh, a heart attack officially, according to the troponin levels. And they told my wife there was a, at the level it had progressed to, there was a better uh, shot than not that I would not be coming out of the hospital. Mm. Um, and that would be the end. Um, and I was really sick and about three days in, I was very lucky where I started to feel a little bit better. Um, and on the second day I took the time and they took away my technology cause they wanted me to relax. Um, and I demanded to get my mm. technology back because there was things I wanted to do. So I wrote my kids a letter, uh, that took me most of the night with uh, a cloudy mind. Um, but, you know, I reread it since, and it was sort of like, here are the, the 10 things that I, I want to share with you. Um, but I will tell you that at that moment, I had this great uh, gift where I actually wanted to live, but realized that if my life did end at that time, that, uh, my life had already exceeded mm. my greatest expectations. Yeah, Ooh, my my how about that? Man, yeah, man, how about that? Man. And that actually, after two weeks in the hospital, they got the sepsis under control, but the heart damage was um, needed to be addressed, and there was a heart infection, and I wound up at home on IV for three months with a, uh, with a treating the heart infection and then open-heart surgery and, and the whole deal. Uh, that was uh, last uh, August and, and never felt better. And uh, honestly... And my wife may not appreciate this day because it was mm. living hell on her. Mm. But for me, actually a net positive experience um, as far as uh, learning and clarity and a sense of 
uh, motivation and the recognition that everyone's got limited time, right? Yeah. Uh, what do we want to do with that time? So yeah, so that's uh, you know an experience I had recently. I don't know that it changed everything in my world, but it certainly did bring a tremendous amount of both focus as well as a sense of uh, peace because um, you know we oftentimes ask ourselves, what if everything in our lives completely and utterly fell apart? Yes. Who would be there for us? How? What would happen? Right. And, and it happened. Right. I, I, I was down and out and, and I didn't work for a couple months. And, you know, and I have to tell you, the people that showed up for me in my life yes. was so heartening. You know, that community from all across, whether that yeah. was professional or through the synagogue or through just friends and people that I knew. And so that was nurturing. The ability to accept prayer from other people was just uh, an experience I had never yes, had before because yes. it was always me to give and sort of now receiving and being able to receive was life changing. Um, and so I'm just grateful to be here alive, happy and in good health to help share maybe something meaningful to your, 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 uh, to your listeners as well. Oh, Robbie, thank you. I'm so happy you shared that, 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 that moved me tremendously uh, in more ways than you know. And I'm sure there's listeners here that, that are going through something. We all are going through some trial and tribulation and uh, it's still, it's the, it's the looking glass that you talked to, you know, just how the lens yeah. in which you look at things. And, you know, when you're so fortunate enough to live a life worth living, you know, uh, they often talk about what do you do for a living? And I, you know, we often say it's, it's, it's what you do. What do you do while you're living? Cool. You know, like focus on that, you know, I like you that. know what do you do like while that. you're living? So, Listen, Robbie, I'm looking forward to seeing you and meet you and watching our, our, our worlds con continues to here. We're here to serve you, brother. So if there's anything you, you need from us, let us know. I think our audience is de definitely going to resonate with it, but uh, you definitely touched our hearts and, and we appreciate you, man. Can you tell our audience where to follow you, brother? Sure. Um, you can find me on, uh, on, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Robbie Tomboski. You can find me at Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E at giving.org, gvng.org. Um, or you can just ask you guys. You guys have <laughs> my phone number. All right. Nice. Our brother, our brother. Nice, brother. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. This is Robbie Tomboski. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are Living, living Good Currency. Good currency.